Book of Mormon Prophecy, a podcast series by Avraham Gileadi, Ph.D., 27. Translated Beings as Exemplars Do Book of Mormon instances of translated beings foreshadow what Latter-day Saints may become who qualify by doing the kinds of works they did? Welcome to podcast number 27, Translated Beings as Exemplars. Now we're going to discuss what Alma means by, oh, that I were an angel. I heard that so many times. Alma 29.1. Alma desires to preach to every people. It is, oh, that I were an angel and could have the wish of mine heart, that I might go forth and speak with the trump of God, with a voice to shake the earth and cry repentance unto every people. Now this is a very special occasion that he's doing this, because it's at the end of a long ministry among his own people, He's covered the whole field of all the lands of the Nephites or sent the gospel to them. And now he's getting older, but he still wants to do more. And as we find out, this is common to those who actually become angels, so to speak, or translated beings. That is, their desire is to bring souls to Jesus so long as the earth shall stand. His wish is not expressed lightly. It's actually a premonition that he probably has that he could be translated. And indeed, when he and Amalek preached to the city of Mamonaha, indeed they also walked through the fire and they were saved by the fire. The angels were walking around them in the fire with them. This is not a, an empty wish or an empty desire. He's really praying that he could have this wish of his heart. And as we see in the Book of Mormon, there are a number of those people that have their wish granted. I think Alma was one because he never died to anyone's knowledge. He went from Zarahemla to Melek and was never heard of again. And there's a statement that says that, that we assume that he was taken as Moses was taken, who also did not die. Well, it says he died, but depends what that means. Both were apparently translated. That's the hint the Book of Mormon gives us about Alma the Younger. So then we go to Helaman and see how Nephi, the son of Helaman, does not seek his own life. In Helaman 10, verses 4 and 5, well, it says to him, Blessed art thou, Nephi, for those things which thou hast done. So there's a whole backstory to Nephi, the son of Helaman's life, which is not given in the Book of Mormon, but it's clear what he has done, where he says, I beheld how thou hast with unwearyingness declared the word. So in other words, he gave it his full effort, didn't stay home and retire, you know, at an old age or something, didn't sit in his deck chair. This in this front of his television, he with unweariness declared the word of God, which I have given unto thee, unto this people, and thou hast not feared them, even though he had many enemies. There was cause for him to fear, but he went on valiantly in the testimony of Jesus to them. And it says, Thou hast not sought thine own life, but hast sought my will and to keep my commandments. Rather than seeking his own comforts or trying to escape from any threats, he just kept on keeping the commandments of the Lord. And of course, when the Lord gives a commandment, he prepares the way to fulfill it. It is all part of the Lord's will. Because there are commandments that are general, you know, general commandments like we all know. But there are also personal commandments that the Lord gives to some of us. As you to Lehi, specific commandments that are individual at different times and places. And now because thou hast done this with such unwearyingness, Behold, I will bless thee forever. In fact, he makes him unwearying. 
As Isaiah says in chapter 40, when people ascend the spiritual ladder and are translated, they become unwearying. They experience no weariness or tiredness or becoming faint and so forth. I will bless thee forever. I will make thee mighty in word and in deed, in faith and in works, yea, even that all things shall be done unto thee according to thy word, for thou shalt not ask that which is contrary to my will. So he knows that Nephi has risen up the spiritual ladder, so to speak, to a point where he's not going to do anything contrary to the Lord's will or ask for anything such. So this blessing is with him from that time on. It doesn't go back to how he was before. The blessing of translation, body, point when Nephi, the son of Helaman, reaches that point spiritually. And we go on and read in verses 6 through 7 of Helaman 10, God endows Nephi with the sealing power. Behold, thou art Nephi, and I am God. Behold, I declare it unto thee in the presence of mine angels, that ye shall have power over this people. Well, in the presence of his angels, because like Alma, who desired to be an angel, a translated being, they're also likened to the angels of God. That ye shall have power over this people, that is extraordinary spiritual power and, and physical power, like Moses and that of all translated beings who have power over the elements and power over enemies, power over nations and rulers and despots. And shall smite the earth with famine, with pestilence and destruction, according to the wickedness of his people. So the Lord is giving him tremendous agency here, tremendous authority and autonomy to do according to his desires. And in other words, he's becoming like a god at this point. He is a god. Translated beings are little gods. They have godlike powers and they can exercise them according to their wills. Behold, I give unto you power that whatsoever you seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, and thus shall you have power among this people. In other words, you can declare a famine, and it is done. Heaven responds, and the famine comes. Or you can declare the rain to come back, and after the drought, and the rain, heaven responds and sends the rain, so forth. And the same with the three Nephites, who never taste of death either. Third Nephi 28, verses 4 through 5, tells us, Speaking of Jesus, when he had spoken unto them, that is, the nine Nephites who expressed their desire to come to Jesus after living to a good old age, uh, they would come to him in his kingdom, in Jesus' kingdom. He turned himself unto the three, the other three, and said unto them, What will ye that I should do unto you? Because the Lord is always anxious to fulfill our personal desires. The Father and Christ Jesus have special regard to our personal desires. And if they're not frivolous and they're according to his will and we ask for things in faith, then we receive them. And so it is here. What will ye that I should do unto you or for you when I'm gone unto the Father? Well, he's going back, but when he's gone, he can send blessings upon them, whatever they would desire. And they sorrowed in their hearts, for they durst not speak unto him the thing which they desired. And he said unto them, Behold, I know your thoughts. And ye have desired the thing which John, my beloved, who was with me in my ministry, before I was lifted up by the Jews, desired of me. This is the same desire that they had, as John did. And John, because of his desire, and because he was translated, and attained that high spiritual status, he's called the Beloved. And so eventually also we see that the three Nephites are called Beloved, because they inherit the same blessing as John the Revelator. 
Before that I was lifted up in the Jews, desired of me, therefore more blessed are ye. More blessed than who? Well, than the other members of the twelve disciples. For ye shall never taste of death, but ye shall live to behold all the doings of the Father unto the children of men. That's to the end of time. And they're going to remain on the earth to see it. Like John. Even until all things shall be fulfilled according to the will of the Father, when I shall come in my glory with the powers of heaven. But they're going to remain upon the earth to minister to people on the earth until Jesus comes himself. Then that's the end of their ministry in this translated state that they're going to be in. And we go on in reading in 35, 28, verses 8 through 10, continuing this passage. The three Nephites are translated. And ye shall never endure the pains of death, he says, but when I shall come in my glory, ye shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye from mortality to immortality. Well, even now, when they're translated, they're changed, but not completely to immortality as yet. So it's a partial change from mortality to a kind of a semi-mortality because they don't endure the pains of death and they don't suffer anything after that. And then shall you be blessed in the kingdom of my Father. They have a different destiny, so to speak, than the nine who went to the kingdom of Jesus. That's what they desired. But these three go to the kingdom of the Father. And some people say, well, it's all the same. No, it's not. It's a whole spiritual level higher than that of translated beings, those who have the sealing power and so forth. And again, you shall not have pain while you shall dwell in the flesh, neither sorrow, save it be for the sins of the world. And all this will I do because of the thing which ye desired of me, for ye desired that ye might bring the souls of men unto me while the world shall stand. While we're still in the celestial glory of the earth, they're going to work on the earth to bring souls to Jesus till that time, as many as will come. And for this cause shall ye have fullness of joy. That's an amazing blessing because <laughs> listen to the next part and you shall sit down in the kingdom of my father yea your joy shall be full even as the father hath given me fullness of joy and ye shall be even as I am I am even as the father and the father and I are one now, this is very profound language this is very rare people inherit this on the earth you shall be even as I am but we know from Jesus' other sayings but he does nothing but what he's seen the Father do, and he advises us and counsels us to do what we've seen him do. So it doesn't say that they will receive this fullness of joy immediately, because it still remains for them to do the things that they have seen Jesus do in order to attain this fullness of joy. How can you attain this fullness of joy unless you, like Jesus, become a savior of a world? And the Father and I are one. They become the gods. They become gods. They inherit what the Father has and become even a Father, a Heavenly Father, as we're all striving toward eventually to attain in our spiritual journeys. 35, 28, 13-16 The three Nephites are caught up into heaven. Behold, the heavens were opened, and they were caught up into heaven and saw and heard unspeakable things. Well, of course, people who have had near-death experiences and so forth and are made privy to the things of heaven, have what's called a cosmic vision, a vision of the end from the beginning or a vision of great spiritual things. Those things are hard to express in common terms. And in fact, sometimes they're impossible and also they're forbidden to speak because they are of higher glories that are not 
the regular people of us of the world are not privy to and should not be privy to. And it was forbidden them that they should utter, neither was it given unto them power, that they should utter the things which they saw and heard. But they were there, they saw it with their eyes and heard it with their ears. They had no way to express it, really, and they were forbidden to do it anyway. And whether they were in the body or out of the body, they could not tell. They really could not tell whether they saw it in their bodies or out of their bodies, or they were in the spirit, just their spirits seeing it, or it did seem unto them like a transfiguration of them. So it seems like it could be in the body that, in that case, for they were changed from this body of flesh into an immortal state that they could behold the things of God. An immortal state then means that if the glory of God comes upon us, so to speak, then we can behold things that we normally cannot see with our regular eyes. This is a mystery, but they, in that state, were given and made privy to beholding the things of God, the highest degree of the celestial kingdom. But it came to pass that they did again minister upon the face of the earth. Nevertheless, they did not minister of the things which they had heard and seen because of the commandment which was given them in heaven. So those things are most sacred to them, and those who experience these things, they are made privy to them, they are kept from speaking to them, to the common masses of people, because too much knowledge would be condemnation to them for having rejected those things, and most are not in a place to accept them, rather would reject them anyway, who don't know the higher mysteries of the kingdom of God. Let me go to 3 Nephi 28, verses 19 through 23. The three Nephites could receive no harm. It says, and they were cast into prison by them who did not belong to the church. Of course, we have enemies. The higher you go on, this, on the spiritual ladder, Satan tries to work a number on you and raises up enemies against you because he doesn't want good to happen in the earth that you can do. He doesn't want anyone to minister to others so that they can be converted to Jesus, as these Nephites and other disciples of Jesus were doing. They were cast into prison by them who did not belong to the church, and the prisons could not hold them, for they were rent in twain. That is the power they have over the elements and over their enemies. And they were cast down into the earth, but they did smite the earth with the word of God, insomuch that by his power they were delivered out of the depths of the earth. So again, power over the elements, and that is actually what we receive as translated beings of God, those who attain that glory in the end time and minister to the house of Israel, we discussed in a previous podcast, same power that is given them so they may accomplish their mission. It will be a very dangerous time of great chaos and destruction. We're reading these things because these are Book of Mormon types for us, and they're instructive to us to see how the Lord does it, what the pattern is in which these people were translated. It says, and therefore they could not dig pits sufficient to hold them, and three times they were cast into a furnace and received no harm. And twice they were cast into a den of wild beasts and behold, they play with the beasts as a child with a suckling lamb and received no harm. And it came to pass that thus they did go forth among all the people of Nephi and did preach the gospel of Christ unto all the people upon the face of the land. And they were converted unto the Lord and were united unto the church. And thus the people of that generation were blessed according to the word of God. So either the enemies that tried to oppose them were converted or else they died or whatever. But they have the power to convert people because it says they have the convincing power, as we read in the next passage. 
around 35, 28, 27 through 30, the three Nephites have the convincing power to convince people of the truth in the face of falsehoods, in the face of lies, in the face of prejudice. They cut right through all of the crud that people believe, all the false beliefs that they have, and the false traditions, the precepts of men, and so forth. And they show through their power that is given them how to convince people of the truth. It says, Behold, they will be among the Gentiles. And that is us, a lot of these saints, who are by definition called Gentiles in the Book of Mormon. And the Gentiles shall not know them, possibly also other Gentiles who are not members of the church. They will also be among the Jews, and the Jews shall not know them. And it shall come to pass when the Lord sees fit in his wisdom that they shall minister unto all the scattered tribes of Israel, that is, the ten tribes and all Israelite lineages, and unto all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people. Because that's where the house of Israel has been scattered, right? All nations, kindreds, tongues, and people. And this is the thing that Alma the Younger desired. He wanted to preach the gospel unto all nations. I kind of don't doubt that he got his wish granted, but these that clearly had their wish granted. And it's happening to us today, what's happening in the world today, because they're still ministering on the earth somewhere. And shall bring out of them unto Jesus many souls, that their desire may be fulfilled, and also because of the convincing power which is in them. And they are as the angels of God. This is a key phrase here. They are as the angels of God. Being translated beings, they are as the angels of God. They're like seraphs, seraphim. That is also the state in which, of course, God's end-time servants are going to reach. They become as the angels of God. When many are translated, go forth among the Jews and other members of the house of Israel to restore them to lands of inheritance and to bring them out of harm's way to Zion, to inherit permanent lands of inheritance. And if they shall pray unto the Father in the name of Jesus, they can show themselves unto whatsoever man it seemeth them good. And no doubt that is going on, and some of you may have had experience with them. And then in 3 Nephi 28, 38 through 40, it talks about Satan having no power over the three Nephites. Therefore, that they might not taste of death, there was a change wrought upon their bodies, that they might not suffer pain nor sorrow, save it were for the sins of the world. Now, this change was not equal to that which shall take place at the last day, but there was a change wrought upon them, insomuch that Satan could have no power over them, and he could not tempt them. While we are being tempted every which way, left and right, especially the more we progress spiritually, even like the more opposition we get and crazy thoughts come into our heads that we have to discipline our minds to throw out. We know where they come from. The devil will get right into our brains if he can. <laughs> While the angels of God who minister the Holy Spirit to us, uh, they don't break those kind of protocols, but they send out inspiration to us so that we can pick up on what the Lord is telling us through them. You know, but that's all ended for them because they're not going to be tempted that way anymore, which is a wonderful relief, don't you think? That would be a great relief. And they were sanctified in the flesh that they were holy. Their bodies were holy. Their spirits were holy to begin with, but they have sanctified their flesh or their bodies so that the one is in complete harmony with the other. So now both spirit and bodies are sanctified. That's becoming holy or becoming whole because the word holy comes from being whole, complete. Other scriptures talk about it. Paul talks about it, attaining the fullness of the stature of Christ. And that is what these attained, these three Nephites. That the powers of the earth could not hold them. And in this state they were to remain until the judgment day of Christ. That's called the day of Jehovah in the book of Isaiah, the worldwide day of judgment that comes upon the wicked, as we've discussed in the past. 
past podcasts. And at that day they were to receive a greater change and to be received into the kingdom of the Father to go out no more but to dwell with God eternally in the heavens. And what an amazing promise these brethren received. And it's not unique to them. God is no respecter of persons. And he can do for us as he did for them. If we will pay the price as they paid the price. If we will be as valiant as they were. A summary. Translated beings exemplify. They show us. They are models of what Latter-day Saints may become. Especially as the time comes for us to fulfill our end-time missions to the House of Israel. We can become that. And we can do the things that were spoken of them, that we can labor with unweariness like Nephi the son of Helaman. And we can have the desire in our hearts and to do, to bring souls to Jesus so long as the world shall stand still today. And the time frame, uh, it's Book of Mormon examples of translated beings. And they are types of end-time persons, types of us. And that is why the Book of Mormon includes these stories in great detail, some of them, to show us how it was done among them. And moving forward, do we see translated beings in the context of the fullness of the gospel? And this is my main point here. We know the Book of Mormon contains the fullness of the gospel. Where? Is it in just the plain doctrine of Christ, the basic principles? No, it's not that. It's in the lives of these individuals who went all the way, as far as a person could go. You know, that is what we can attain to, and we can live the fullness of the gospel and the priesthood and so forth. We can attain it. If they could, we can. And next time, has the Lord invited Latter-day Saints to become as the brother of Jared? This will be an interesting session we'll have as well. And the recommended reading or listening, Becoming Kings and Queens of the Gentiles, because that pertains to this. That's a little book, Becoming Kings and Queens of the Gentiles. You'll love it. It's both in written form and audio form on Audible. I hope to see you next time. We'll see you there again, and thank you for sharing. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us today. Join us next time when we learn on Becoming Brothers of Jared. Should Latter-day Saints act on God's invitation to see all things the brother of Jared saw, by exercising faith and performing a similar ministry to his?